Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreams Unlimited Travel Podcast. My name is John Magi. I'm Kevin Close. And we are going to talk to you about things to consider and what to take uh, into account when you're planning a trip overseas. As you can see, we're not in our regular studio this week. We're in our patio, in our backyard, on our back porch, in beautiful, sunny central Florida. Hence the shades. That's why we're all shaded out. It's also getting hot out here. It is getting hot out here. So so what happened was um, we've done a couple of travel odds and end shows. We've done a couple of shows where we've talked about things to consider when you're traveling overseas. But we've been getting questions about it. I think more people are traveling overseas now. We're getting a lot of folks who are doing adventures by Disney trips, uh, which are going uh, places overseas. So we want to give you some of our tips and tricks and some of our advice and kind of do a consolidated show around that. Most of our advice is going to um, revolve around a, someone in the U.S. traveling to Europe or um, maybe even Asia or South America. South America. Someone traveling from the U.S. out of the country, but I'm sure that a lot of what we're going to tell you applies if you're coming the other way as well. So let's get started. First and foremost, we always start with trip planning and what you should consider before you go. And in my opinion, the first thing you got to talk about is currency, is money. So, Kevin, what do you suggest for folks who need to, what they should they think about for getting money when they're going to travel overseas? First of all, most places you're going to go, as soon as you get off the plane, your U.S. currency is not valuable anymore. Most places won't take it. And while you can use a credit card or a credit card, I, I suggest you always have a bit of the local currency on you. If you want to buy a bottle of water in the airport, you're going to need currency from wherever you are. And you're not going to want to pay with a credit card. Now, I don't suggest you bring a lot of cash with you. They say the best exchange rate is at ATMs. However, you're going to pay a fee. You're probably going to pay a fee for your bank and the bank you're using. So we always try and bring some cash with us. And how do you get that cash? I go to my bank and I just order it. And if I spend, if I buy between one, I'm going to talk about euros. If I talk, if I buy between one and 999 euros, my bank charges me $10 to secure those for me. The processing fee. The processing fee. If I buy a thousand euros, they charge me, and a thousand and up, it's 20 euros. So I don't. $20. $20, excuse me. Um, so what I do is I watch the exchange rate and I Google dollar to euro exchange and see what the exchange rate is I start doing that a couple months in advance and when I think I'm going to get the best I'm going to get I just order some and here's the deal that's a guess right people are going to say how do I know I got the best rate how am I going to make sure I get the absolute best rate on my money you don't it's a bit of an educated guess you watch it and you see what things are doing and you know what you're going to miss it you're going to miss the most the bottom most amount so just do it when you're comfortable doing now, it. Now, I also think if you're a regular traveler, ordering more than you need isn't a bad thing. We've often come home with euros left over, and we just assume that that will be for our next trip. Right. And that extrapolates out to play any place you're going to go. If it's pounds, if you're going to Great Britain. So you can, I always think you should have some local money wherever you're, right. wherever you're going. I'm going to do tips. You know, if you decide to take a cab and that won't take a credit card, you can pay for the cab that way. It's just smart to have some money on you. 
Now, I would then jump, make it, we're going to talk about passports. First of all, you have to have a passport. And most of the destinations that you might want to go are going to require you to have a passport that's good for six months past the end of your adventure or your vacation. They don't want people coming into the country with a passport that's about to expire for fear that they might choose to stay longer or if something happens medically, they want to be able to get you back out to the United States. So almost every place requires that you have a passport good for an extra six months. Good advice. Let's talk about, go back to money a little bit. We're talking about getting cash before you go, but you're probably going to need money along the way. Um, So the best advice to you is to use an ATM, a local ATM in the destination where you're going. Um, What you want to do is you want to check with your bank because your bank is probably going to charge you a fee. as A foreign transaction to take money out, yes. There's going to be a fee for the banks, and then there's going to be a foreign transaction fee, and then, of course, whatever the regular uh, uh, exchange rate is difference. So if you have the luxury of banking in more than one bank, then what you want to do is you want to see who's going to give you the best rate on your ATM. See who's going to give you the best exchange and the least amount of a foreign transaction fee. But you need to take those things into account when you go to an ATM outside of your home country. Or use a credit card while you're shopping. Right. That was going to be my next thing is use your credit card. Right. Um, Most places, if they're a large retailer, will offer you the opportunity to charge in U.S. dollars where you know what you're going to pay or euros. And you're kind of going to have to know what the exchange rate is. Because if they tell you it's $100 in U.S. dollars or it's 89 euros, you have to know which of those is the better deal. Right. Um, Real quick about credit cards. Again, you want to call your credit card company and find out if they charge a foreign transaction fee. That can be as high as 3% per transaction. So it's important. Um, and then what their policy is about the money. Sometimes they will charge, not in the local currency. So one of the best cards you can do, we have no affiliation with them, is American Express. They do not charge a foreign transaction fee. fee, And you get sort of the the up-to-the-minute exchange on your money. So there's no worry that, you know, maybe the, the exchange might be worse for you once it's processed. But again, call your credit card company, ask these questions, figure out what's best for you. Let them know you're traveling. That's very important. Always call your credit card in advance. Nothing's worse than standing at... Well, there are things that are worse. It's bad when you're standing at a counter waiting to pay the hotel, a store, whatever, and your card is declined. Right. So, again, you want to make sure that you contact them and make these uh, decisions ahead of time and figure out what's best for you when you're going away. Can I... I want to add one more thing about... Uh, but I know you've got things you've got to say, but I'm more important. Um, what you want to say is, oh, that didn't go over well, did it? <laughs> so what you I'm want, used to it. So what you want to do is, in addition to what Kevin mentioned about, are they going to do want to charge in euros or dollars, and know the exchange rate is to be prepared and get a currency exchange app on your phone. There are a bunch out there. In my opinion, the easier to use, the better. So you can get a free app that shows you a currency exchange. I've got one that I love. And again, simpler the better. All I want to do is I want to plug in the numbers and I want to say calculate whatever the 
currency is that I'm in or want to see what it's going to be in American dollars so that I know I'm what I'm paying for something is appropriate or not. Because trust me, we've been to Mexico where something is 200,000 pesos. And I freak out and go, 200,000 pesos? And then realize that it's really, you know. Like $9. Right. All right, what were you going to say that I interrupted you? We're going to talk about shopping for a minute. I thought he was going to stop me. If you spend over 200 euros in any store while you're in the European Union, the European Union has something called the, the VAT tax, value-added tax for foreigners. And let's just say something, you buy something that's $1,000. There, the tax is included in the co- or 1,000 euros. Unlike the United States, when you see a price on an item, the tax is included in that you're not going to be charged additional. As someone from out of the the European Union, you are allowed your tax or a portion of your tax back. It's called a VAT refund. And what that means is, if you walk into Louis Vuitton, not that I know anything about this, and make a purchase, they will fill out forms for you. You also have to take your passport with you in order to make this work. You have to have your passport with you at the time you are shopping for high-priced goods. And you show them your passport, and they will fill out a VAT form for you. And you can just collect those throughout your stay in the European Union. If you only have one or if you have more, you just bring them all. And what's going to happen is when you leave the European Union, whether you're going on a cruise or you're flying out, whatever your last stop is, when you're at the airport to leave Europe, you go to the VAT office at the airport, and they will stamp your forms Now, you're supposed to have your merchandise with you. I've only ever been asked once, and that was in Charles de Gaulle. But they will stamp your form, and you can mail them right there. And then you get anywhere from a 10 to 15% refund on whatever you've purchased. And depending on what you've purchased, that can add up to some money. So it's really wise. It's a little bit of a pain in the neck because while you're enjoying your travel, you kind of have to keep track of this paperwork. But... You can buy goods that in the United States are much more expensive. Because of the exchange rate, you can get them at a lower price. The tax is already included, and they'll give you a portion of your tax paid back. And you mentioned you had to do this at the airport, right, to fly at the airport? You can do it at some, at some train stations. You can do it in some major cities will have an office. I think most people find it easy to go to the VAT office in the airport. Larger airports might have a longer line. Charles de Gaulle can get crazy. I was going to say, one of the reasons why I said this was you want to build time into your departure from wherever you're going to leave to deal with the VAT office. And you're going to find that each country will be, and each airport will be completely different. As Kevin mentioned, Charles de Gaulle is a nightmare. It's usually a long line. Um, The man at Charles de Gaulle wanted to see the goods I purchased. We went out through Nuremberg, and we were at the VAT office at like 6.30, and the man slid a window across. He said, give me the forms, and went stamp, 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 shoved them back through the window and closed the window. So each each experience is going to be different. It's going to be different. And then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to mail those forms from that location. And right, usually they have to be mailed from the European Union. You can't bring them home with you. Right. So you, there will be a, a place nearby. You, the, they'll tell you, go over here and drop them in the mail and then 
mail those off and that'll be your that. I don't want to confuse things, but there are retailers who will fill out the forms for you there and they'll take care of the stamp and they will charge or they will charge you the lower price, meaning that you wouldn't get a refund on that item because you've already paid the lower price. But if you don't have the form stamped and mailed from the European Union, they've got your credit card and they're going to charge you the full amount. Bottom line here is if you're going to do some high-end shopping, you're going to buy leather goods or you're going to buy jewelry or something Anything like that. over 200 euros, it's got to be one item. Right. Like You can't buy a bunch of stuff and spend 250 euros. It's one item over 200 euros right. and that you can get your VAT back on that. Right. You, don't, you can't get it on your hundreds of souvenirs. But what you want to do is bring your passport with you to the shopping. So if you're going to go shopping, take your passport. To make it easier. Take your passport. Make it easier. We were in France, and I might have purchased a high-priced luxury item and didn't have my passport with us. So somebody went back to the ship and brought me my passport. Don't be that person. So we covered currency, we've covered credit cards, we've covered shopping. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to mention before we, uh, you know, it's still part of the pre-trip planning portion of your vacation, is if you are going to have an internal flight within Europe, you are going to have a smaller bag restriction for your overhead compartment than you would in the United States. If you're going to travel abroad, you need what they call an international carry-on. Right. It won't, it won't uh, affect your flight leaving the United States. It would only be for internal flights. Within. If you're jumping from Paris to Rome, you're going to take an internal flight. Correct. So what you want to make sure is that you purchase a carry-on bag that meets their requirements. Otherwise, you can't get them on those planes. A domestic carry-on is, I believe, 22 inches. An internal uh, uh, European flight is 19 or 20. I apologize. Don't quote me. But it's a much, it's a smaller... It's You're not going to notice that big a difference when you see it, but it, there's definitely a difference as to what's eligible to be brought on a plane. Right. So you want to consider that when you're packing. The other thing you want to consider is your power needs. What's the matter? This is usually where people go crazy. First and foremost, what you're going to want to do is have... A, a, a uh, adapter. An adapter will take your plug and make it work in the outlet in the country that you're traveling to. I'm going to stop him. Right I here. find that. Okay, I'm not. Let me just real quick get this out. I find that you can easily get a universal adapter that will work in multiple places and you don't have to worry about carrying an individual adapter from multiple countries. But if you're just going to one country, Make sure you get an adapter for that country. Go ahead. It depends on where you're going, whether you need a universal adapter, in my mind. If you're just going to Italy, you need an adapter for Italy. Your U.S. plug is not going to fit in an Italian socket. You need to change. You need to adapt your plug. And there is a lot. People get these. I think I say that. I think I just said all that. You can go out and buy a universal adapter, which has stuff for places you're not going to go. And they take up room. You can also buy one small adapter that would fit in your pocket. The other thing you might need is a converter. They're very, very different. A converter switches foreign voltage to U.S. voltage. If you try and plug your U.S. hair straightener 
into an Italian outlet with an adapter, you're going to make the electricity in the hotel go off. You need a converter to change for the Italian or European voltage to American voltage. That is not true of Apple products. So it's going to say most new electronic products are dual voltage. That's not just Apple, but it is all Apple products. But if you buy a new computer, HP, Sony, something like that, they will also be dual voltage. It's got to say 110 slash 220 on it. I just want to check your equipment to make sure that it functions that way. So you don't really need a converter unless you're going to bring something over that won't work on that. Hair dryers, hair straighteners, electric shavers. These are things that fry. They just burn up while you're trying to use them. So you have to have not only the adapter, but you have to have the converter. Exactly. Uh, And again, I like the universal adapter because we tend to travel to more than one destination. You know, we do an Adventures by Disney trip where you're seeing two, maybe three countries. You know, you want to be prepared. But Kevin's right. If you're just going to Italy or you're just going to the UK, just make sure you have the one that's right for that. I also want to point out, too, um, if you forget it, don't panic. Because you can buy these in the airport, you can get them probably in your hotel or right around from your hotel. If you forgot to bring one, I would go to the front desk and say, did anyone leave an adapter here? Chances are they've got a lost and found full of stuff like that. On more than one occasion, people have forgot their chargers for their phone. And the front desk has brought out a box of them and you go through and pick the one that works for your phone. If you're confused by this or if you're not taking notes, go to Amazon and use the word adapter and use the word converter. You have to use the separate words. They do very, very different things. And you'll find ones that are both. It'll be an adapter and a converter. Just, I would learn through Amazon. It will help you. All right. Anything else you want to tell them pre-trip that they should think about packing-wise? Packing. Um, Nope. We've talked about this on other shows. Um, English is spoken pretty much everywhere around the world. However, we feel it is polite and the right thing to do to learn a little bit of the local language where you're going to be visiting. A few words will get you a very long way with the locals, but you're going to be surprised at how many people actually speak English. However, it's still polite. Please, thank you, excuse me. I used to tell people to learn how much is it in the language you're going to, except for one thing, then people answer you in that language and you stand there dumbfounded because you have no idea what they're saying. So please, thank you, excuse me, hello, goodbye. The first disc in your language kit. You don't need to know who's picking up Anna at the airport with the red pickup truck. Exactly. You, all just, you just need, that's actually a true story. Uh, you just need, hello, goodbye, please, thank you, good morning, good evening. The basics, and if you try that, most people will A, either take pity on you and speak English, or at least appreciate the fact that you've tried. It's true. Um, I do want to, so so we've done our pre-packing, we've done our pre-planning, we've got all that out of the way. So I want to talk a little bit about when you arrive. Something that you might find that might be shocking to you, that was shocking to us, is that if you are not going to a quote-unquote major airport, or even if you are going to a major airport, you might not be at a terminal. You might deplane downstairs. You might have to walk down those stairs that they wheel up to the plane. Very Casablanca. Yeah, so you want to be aware of that with what you're carrying. 
because you got to carry your own stuff off the plane and get yourself down those stairs onto the tarmac. Not going to happen in most places you're going to go to, but it has happened to us. It happened to us in Spain. It happened to us in China. Um, where else did it happen? Somewhere else it happened. It happened in Italy one time. One time in Italy, yep. So, again, I wouldn't worry about this. I wouldn't make this a, uh, you know, something you, you think about constantly and fear it. It's just be prepared that you may have to walk down the stairs. If you have a mobility issue, they will help you with that, and there will be alternate ways for you to get off the plane. But it's usually kind of a pain in the butt. I would also tell you, in Europe, getting to when you're, when you're ready to head home, I find European airports take longer. So where someone will tell you two hours in the U.S., I would give yourself more time to navigate the airport. And if you're going to Charles de Gaulle, you need much more time. You have to take into account the fact that you could be going through customs, um, that you could be going through a passport check location. That you might be going to a different terminal in a different building. Which could mean another security check. So just give yourselves a lot more time coming from Europe to the U.S. All right. I have something else to share with you. And I've shared it with everybody who's ever asked. I'm a shopper. I've never hidden that fact. However, on my first trip to Italy was in 2006. And I saw a duffel bag that at the time I thought was a little pricey. It was 200 euros. I have mourned not buying that duffel bag since 2006. I'm not telling you to not be able to pay your mortgage. But you have to ask yourself if you're questioning, should I take this home with me? Ask yourself when the next time you'll be back is. Don't leave something you love there. You probably won't be able to ever get another one. And I think that I tell people that a lot. We go to on backstage magic trips and we go into Mickey's of Glendale and they sell imagineering things. And somebody will say to me, this leather jacket is $150. And I think, well, are you going to be able to buy that in your hometown? If you're someplace where something is available and it's only available there and you think to yourself, you have to ask yourself, is this something I really, really want? I would suggest you make other choices later on, but don't leave the thing you really want there. You're probably never going to be back. It's true. And there used to be a billboard outside Orlando International Airport, and all it said, it was a Delta Air uh, billboard, and it said... Because saying, oh, I got this in Venice, never gets old. True, true. All right, so let's talk a little bit about now, once you've gotten to your destination, some things I I think you should be prepared for. Maybe other folks wouldn't think these are important. But um, I find the comfort level in Europe to be different than what I'm used to in the United States. In the United States, we have much bigger hotel rooms in general, Thicker mattresses. Thicker mattresses, mostly king-size beds. With Better air conditioning. Right. So just be prepared for the fact that it's going to be different than what you're used to and not sort of lament the fact that it's, oh, this isn't as big as a bed as I could get at the Grand Floridian. You know, just accept the fact that it's going to be different. It is different. Um, every bathroom you go to in Europe will be different. You will not you will not hit the same fixtures twice no matter where you go. It's very weird. Often. A piece will be missing. Something that you would think might be important. Like there might not be a, a seat. And you might have to look around because 
there might not be that little handle on the um, water tank. You might have, I'll tell you a story. We were in a hotel one time in Italy, and I could not, for the life of me, figure out how to flush the toilet. We had to call the maintenance team, and five feet from where the commode was, there was an aluminum square on the wall, and you had to put your hand on it and rock it back and forth to flush the toilet that was five feet away. And they explained to me that that was because the, the flushing mechanism was closer to where you would wash your hands. I had to call maintenance to explain this to me. So you might have to reach under something or there might be a chain over your head. Look around, you'll find it. Again, it's going to be very different than what you're used to. All, we, all I can say is you got to go with the flow. you got to be willing to sort of adjust yourself and realize that you're in the place where you want to be. And so these minor conveniences are not as going to be as good as you might have elsewhere. Talking about bathrooms, I want to give you one of my tips. One of the things that um, is easy to do in the United States is to find a public restroom that's clean, you know, that's serviceable that you would go to. This is something that we're used to in the U.S. You know, pretty much uh, driving along highways, there's rest areas, public places there's rest areas and there's not a big deal in finding these we find in europe that it's not they're not as convenient and not as well placed so i have an app on my phone called toilet finder a little crude a little rude but that's what it's called it's called toilet finder and basically it's kind of like a gps for the nearest bathroom and we've used it on several trips and we've said where's the nearest bathroom and it'll tell us and it'll even have user reviews like of that rest area <laughs> rating system and it could be anything from um this is a great spot they have coffee and snacks that's usually outside though <laughs> coffee and snacks <laughs> to it could be you know listen this is just serviceable and use it and and go so it gives you a good idea of what you're coming across and not only what you're coming across but you know how close is it because you might be worried you might not find a bathroom i would also suggest that no matter where you go in europe that you take a small coin person you have some of the local coins it's not uncommon to have to pay to use a restroom and you might be able to find a free one or pay 50 cents and the difference will be worth the 50 cents right because it's clean and that someone's maintaining it um not to beat a dead horse with bathrooms one of the things to consider with a bathroom is uh take some toilet paper with you um they sell if you go to uh, uh cvs or a walmart or a walgreens and you go to their travel size uh toiletries area you can find the little rolls of charmin or something like that that easily pack in a purse or in a bag and just bring those with you because it's nice to have those in case you find yourself in a situation. And then that when you get someplace it. that has actual toilet paper, if you've used it, you can just roll around the little spool right. and refill it. I would back up. also suggest a hand sanitizer. This goes back to when I tell you that there might be pieces missing, mm-hmm. especially if you stop along a less than well traveled road and use a service area. You might find there's not a door or there's not a seat or there's not soap or there's not any way to wash your hands. You kind of, I don't want to make it sound like it's the wild, wild west, but as you're traveling, you run, I mean, you might run into a place 
the, when we went to see the um, Last Supper, the men's restroom, and I'm not exaggerating, was two worn spots on the floor for your feet and a hole in the floor. So it's one of those things where... What's the expression? I don't know. Be armed. Forewarned is forearmed. Forearmed is for, uh, oh forewarned is forearmed. I got that one. There you go. All right, so moving on to sort of the fun stuff. Um, again, you, you know, you, you're going to Europe, you're going to sightsee, you're going to see a lot of places. If you are going to be going to a house of worship of any kind, uh, be aware that they might have some, um, I don't say restrictions, but some traditions, guidelines, traditions. Women might be requ- required to cover their shoulders. Uh, men might be, everyone might be required to cover their knees. Uh, and some people might require there to be a head covering as well. So just be aware of this. So ladies, if you bring a scarf with you, it can get you to any place you need to go. You know, um, for men, you might want to consider the pants that have the zip off legs. Yeah, I know we did those ones, so we didn't like them. But a lot of people like them, and a lot of people just scoot your shorts down and cover your no. knees. <laughs> then there's another thing that's showing you. Know, just untuck your shirt and scoot your shorts down. Just you know, don't bring hot pants. I guess is the bottom line. Right. I think for the most part, men wear now shorts for the most part that cover their knees anyway. Right. But just be aware that there's going to be these guidelines, and that you should be prepared for those. You don't ever want to not be able to go into a place. Because you're not wearing something on your shoulders or on your head. You want to be able to Correct. experience what you want to experience. What else? What else can we think of? I think we did a pretty good covering of what we've experienced overseas. Shoes should be comfortable. They can be fashionable and comfortable. But if you have to err on the side of one, make them comfortable. A lot of Europe is still cobblestones. And they kind of... I love that because it... It's the history of the place. Just make sure you have supportive, comfortable shoes. Nothing ruins a vacation, a vacation, a vacation worse than sore feet. Right, or you know, tripping on cobblestone because right. you're wearing heels. Um, one more thing I want to add is if you're going to major cities, most major cities now around the world have Uber. Most that have has been Lyft, a lifesaver, and that has been a big thing for us for getting around in Uber and Lyft. But just understand that, you know, that's an option for you as well. Some cities don't have it. They rely heavily on cabs. But Uber and Lyft will be something that you'll run into. So make sure you have an account and make sure you download the app. I have another tip that I just learned, and I love it. All right, go for it. If you're going to a city that you've never been to before and you don't know where to have dinner, Google what's the oldest restaurant in this city. And chances are, if it's been around long enough, there's something to say for it. True. Very true. I think that's it. I I love that. We've done it. And we've gone to some amazing places. So just say, just Google, what's the oldest city in X? And it'll tell you what's been around the longest. And if you're looking for without, if you have no clue as to where to go, that's a good place to start. Excellent. Excellent. We do the, we ask people along the way, where would you eat? And what we try to do is we try to make sure they understand we're not looking for the tourist location. We don't want to go to the Olive Garden in Rome. So if you ask your Uber driver, where's a good place to eat? He might say, oh, you go here. But that's sort of the place where a lot of people go. We frame it in the terms of where would you go to eat tonight to dinner? Where would you take your family to lunch? Another story. We were just recently in Rome, and there's a restaurant that we love. It's the Restaurant of the Pope's. And it's right near the Vatican. 
and we wanted to go there. And the Uber driver took us in, and dropped us. Were, was going to drop us off in front, but unexpectedly, the restaurant was closed that day. So we sat there and we all sort of said, "We don't know what to do. What would you suggest?" He said, "Can I can I take you to my favorite restaurant?" And I have to tell you. I could probably come up with the name if I had a couple minutes. However, he took us to this restaurant, and this was a couple months ago now, and there were five of us. And the five of us have not stopped talking about how good this restaurant was. It's incredible. And I don't know if they treated everyone like this. I kind of think they had to. They kind of treated us like we were their family that had traveled thousands of miles to come see them. We were treated like we were at home. So listen to your Uber driver. And the most incredible, apparently all I eat is steak, if you listen to the past couple shows, most incredible bistecca. He actually posted it on his Instagram. I did. It was so good. Um, Absolutely fantastic restaurant. Great find. But again, don't position it. Don't let them position it in terms of what other people would go to or what's popular. A lot of times somebody will say, all right, well, I'll take you to the Hard Rock. And I think, no, 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 we have that. I want to go. One of the things, as John said, I ask them where they would go. And that has led to some amazing things. In St. Thomas, it led us to a restaurant way, way off the beaten track. And when we walked in, the woman who owned the restaurant said, how did you two get here? And I said, well, we walked. She goes, no, that's not what I meant. How did you two arrive here? And we said, we asked someone down in the shopping area, where do people from St. Thomas go to lunch? And all of a sudden, John and I were treated like we were her sons. She brought out everything that was on the menu for us to taste and then wouldn't let us pay. So you never know what you're going to find. You never know. Be open to experiences. Right, exactly. All right, I think that's all I have for my overseas... Go see the world. Tips and jab. Go. Don't be afraid. Don't let it bother you. Don't. I'm going to say something else, too. The news can be scary. There's a lot of scary stuff out there. Try not to let that dissuade you from going places. That there's ways to do it safely. It's not worth not seeing these places. You have to go and you have to enjoy. I agree. 100%. That'll do it for this show. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody at home for listening and watching. We truly appreciate it. We hope you have a great week, and we hope you have a great vacation. Bye, everybody.